When I looked at the Lifetime program, Unbound always stood out to me. I remember saying to my mum, I was like, I think they've got it wrong. I think it's 200K. It can't be 200 miles. Like <laughs> I hadn't really heard about all the, the long yeah. races. And then obviously the first one, Sea Otter, is also a mountain bike race. Have you raced mountain bike before, Danny? No. Perfect. Right. <laughs> so it was a bit like, okay, I'm going to throw myself in the deep end and I'm just going to like learn as I go. It's showtime, everybody! Showtime! You've been living in a dream world, Neo. This is the world as it exists today. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Listen, we're talking about practice. Hey, Pete, on the dude's run. Donnie, you're out of your element. I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. Don't ever trash talk black Jesus. This is the Adventure Stash with Payson McCalvin. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We have another episode today from the Athletic Affairs Studio in downtown Girona. A big thanks to them for donating their space to us for this recording and lots of recordings over the last couple of months. Uh, They also make recording video really easy for us in their beautiful, well-lit studio. So if you want to watch this episode, you can go over to my YouTube and check it out there. Um, Coming up, Danny Shrewsbury, someone who I crossed paths with a little bit last year as she was in the Lifetime Grand Prix as well, but maybe not as much as, as you'd expect for being in the same series and at a bunch of the same events. And that could be in part due to how much dashing in and out of the United States she was doing. She had an absolutely packed race schedule last year that included basically full-time racing in the European road peloton alongside the Grand Prix and a full-time job. Um, pretty incredible what Danny was doing last year uh, to, to chase her dreams and make it all financially viable. And it was really cool to hear in this episode how the explosion of off-road racing, both in the States um, and over here in Europe, is opening new career doors for folks such as Danny and many others. And um, in 24, she's going to be able to race full-time, no more day job needed, although it was pretty interesting to see her, to, to hear some of the hoops and crazy schedule uh, requirements she had to jump through last year to make it all work. Uh, really impressive, really really inspiring. Um, and it's just great to catch up with her. We actually kicked our seasons off respectively at the same event last weekend, the Santa Vi three-day gravel stage race here in Girona. And it was fun to kind of use it as a little bit of a, a case study as to um, how the, the European gravel scene is, is developing, um, our impressions of it, kind of comparing and contrasting it to what's happening over in the States. And speaking of, I uh, I pre-rode the most of the Traca 200 course a few days ago, which is kind of like the European Unbound. It's definitely the biggest gravel race um, in Europe at this point. And I was pretty on the fence about whether I was going to come back over to Girona here at the end of April to participate in that because it's not ideal with the extra international travel in the middle of the Grand Prix. Um, but it's quickly becoming such an iconic event and I really am enjoying keeping one foot in the door uh, in the European gravel scene over here because I think it's it's a, it's a great opportunity to to stay involved with it. And in a way, I think for someone in my position, um, it's 
it's important, I want to say, uh, maybe not big picture, but just for my own goals. And, and I think it's, it's really cool to just kind of keep abreast of, of, uh, all the ways that this sport is exploding globally. Um, and after pre-riding the course, I'm pretty well decided that I'm going to come back because it is legit. It is gnarly. Uh, I pre-wrote it with some of my buddies, Jasper Okaloon, Ivar Sleek, and uh, a couple of the other European guys. And we we were pretty on the pedals. You know, we did the first two long climbs at 300-ish watts, and we finished the first 40 kilometers with an average speed of 20K an hour. So the first for the first 24 miles, we averaged 12 miles an hour. Uh, it's pretty mountain bikey, um, and it's interesting to see how... Some gravel racing in Europe, you know, is definitely going to stay pretty influenced by the road. And then other gravel races are are just going gnarly, you know, like even gnarlier than most of what we see in the States. And that's really exciting to me. Um, I'd love to see that. And it and, uh, gets me even more fired up for the continued growth of this sport. Okay, monologue over. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, and we'll catch you after the show. Okay. Danny Shrewsbury. Yeah. Yes. You nailed it. I mean, Got it's pretty phonetic, but yeah, a lot of people struggle though. What do you? What is? What? How do they say it? So the reason I have a strawberry on my Instagram. Is ah, yeah. Yeah. So when I was racing in Europe a lot, um, for some reason, everyone struggles with that surname, and I'd get called Strawberry. They just, it's like what? I don't even know how they do it, and. Every time I was like, oh, here we go. And it would be like Shrewberry, Shrosby. Like, I, I, they missed out the R a lot at the end, so it was B. Um, and then, yeah, Strawberry became like a common one. Uh. But now I don't know if people have just latched onto it and just do it now. Because, like, uh. I was racing in Scotland last year and this guy outright just kept saying, Danny Strawberry. And everyone's like, is he taking the piss? <laughs> but, yeah, so I just roll with it now. I'm just like, yeah, Fun. whatever. So is it a nickname amongst your friends or is it just people screwing up your name? Yeah, it came from people screwing up my name and now my friends just go along with it as well. So. They just call you Strawberry. Yeah, or Straubs. Straubs, that's fun. <laughs> All right, Yeah. fair. Um, <clears throat> so I was mentioning this before we started recording, but... I uh, typically do less prep for these than people probably realize, but I've done zero today because I crashed pretty hard about two hours ago on my training ride. So the last two hours have been getting myself home, cleaning up, road rash, et cetera, gravel so rash. Um, so this might have a slightly different feel, but I think it'll, in a way it'll be fun too. Yeah. I know a handful of things about you, <laughs> but shockingly little for having raced the same, most of the same races all year last year. <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. Sometimes that's like the best way. It's true. Yeah. Learn as we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, this'll, this'll be fun. Um, we're in Girona. I feel like a broken record. I say that every week now, still in Girona. <laughs> um, but how much of a home is this for you? Have you been here for a good handful of years at this point? Um, so no, weirdly about four years ago, I tried to move here. And then that funny thing called COVID happened um, and then Brexit. Then it basically made us made it like impossible for us for a while. Um, How did Brexit change things? Well, we have to, you have a 90 day limit. Um, so I think it's like a rolling 90 day and then you basically have to get back out of the country. So like, unless you have a particular visa, but now from, I've been here since, well, back and forth since November 
and I'm in the process of getting my visa. So I just actually got my own flat to rent now. Nice, um, yeah. So hopefully be here for a while now. That's fun. That's yeah. super fun. Uh, when did you first come here? I know you had a, a stint on the road in the pros, so I assume that kind of prompted it. Yeah, so I mean, four years ago was the first time I came here because um, I can't even remember. I think it was a friend that just said like, because in the UK we always go to everyone goes to the same places: Calpe, Mallorca. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's normally just those two places to be honest. And yeah. then Girona, like it was like people were talking about it, but it wasn't as popular as it is right now. And then I actually came with my dad loves cycling, and we came on like a mini family holiday. My mum was like, so you two are bringing two bikes and what am I doing? <laughs> like, it's a lovely old town, like you, you can enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I came and I just literally fell in love with it. It's just, it's just got everything, you know, it's got the amazing road riding, but then the gravel is just some of the best gravel I've seen. Yep. And coming from the UK, it's like, yeah, you're just sport for choice here. Yeah. And I was like, one day I will live there. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Finally. Yeah, and then I mean, there's the mountain biking too, but yeah, where it sounds like we have some responsibility to get you out on the mountain bike. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because that's when I found out that you were even in town. Is you sent me a message and you're like, "Hey, yeah. we'd love some help getting out on the trails. <laughs> yeah. It's my weak point, so we still need to make that happen." But For yeah, sure. the, it's funny. The trails here are also plentiful, but they're all kind of one style, which is very kind of pirate trail um yeah, there it's just a web and there's a lot of steep stuff it's not all steep but you could definitely get yourself into a situation if you'd never oh, ridden for sure. the trails before and especially if you just grab some random Strava route as well yeah. I've had that a few times I'm like this is good and then next thing you're like cycling through a hedge and you're like where am I going here like yeah it's all very tight yeah for yeah. sure cool that's cool so we'll get to how you ended up having the majority of your of your race season in the US or at least a, a big portion of it yeah. but um you kind of had a a career before that racing career before that yeah um talk to me about how you got into road cycling and how it became the first chapter yeah i mean this <clears throat> year's actually my i've actually worked full time along all my cycling so the UK is like, it's hard, especially now. I think, I mean, globally, it's quite hard in the road scene, but we couldn't, like, all of our teams, the women's cycling, we were never paid. So mm. I was always working full time. But yeah, I got into, from when I was young, I was a swimmer runner. My brother did cycling, my dad did cycling, but I didn't really turn my eye to it until, like, yeah, when I was doing my rowing at university, that our cross training was cycling. Um, and I just, got really competitive at it and kind of fell in love with it mm. um and in London even though everyone's like London's crap for cycling <laughs> yeah it is but there's actually an amazing community of like we call it like chain gangs and like pace lines and you can get off at 5am and it's like mm. crazy everyone's out like no way yeah just full gas cycling around a 5k circuit huh. so one one park Regent's Park's 5k Richmond Park's 11k and it's got a little hill in it <laughs> and everyone tries to do the fastest lap um in so the just, dark in, yeah in the dark oh. yeah um and then it gets serious like over covid everyone's out in their skin suits <laughs> like <laughs> honestly it's mad um yeah so I kind of got into that scene and someone was like you should try racing uh so I just gave it a go did quite well quite quick mm -hmm. um got a good national result and then was on a pro conti team for two years um loved it 
but my dad had actually got me into the gravel cycling before it was a real big thing um and then I did actually the first biggest gravel race I did was here the Rankso. oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. um and I was like oh my god this is cool I want to do more of that mm. and then I kept doing the road scene last year but I was trying to do a full-time job a full-time road calendar and then fly and do the Grand Prix wait um, you raced road last year too yeah what yeah <laughs> so like on a team yeah on a pro conti team yeah oh so, my god so the week before unbound i went and did ride london three-day stage <sighs> race and so i i fin- yeah i finished on the sunday night flew friday morning had unbound saturday was it <laughs> oh my god and you did really well which we'll talk yeah, about that was that was that's crazy one. interesting but, um yeah. was that because you just weren't sure you wanted to commit to f- gravel full-time or you just loved the road racing aspect well, to be honest i wasn't aware of how like we knew it was growing, but I didn't know how far it was going to go. And I just loved racing my bike and I knew I did want to make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I applied to the lifetime, but honestly, I just didn't think I'd get in because like when I was filling out the application form, there's a, there's a box that you have to select of like which race you did last year. And there isn't uh, an option to say yeah. I did none of them. Oh, really? So I had to just select and I ran it <laughs> weirdly. <laughs> selected unbound and then wrote in the comments i haven't actually raced unbound i haven't raced any of these i'm just from the uk i would love to try one that's hilarious yeah so maybe that's why i got it interesting yeah Um, so racing on the road um talk to me about what the result was rewinding a little bit in the uk that kind of got you got your foot in the door to race at the professional level um so uh, yeah in the nationals it was I think it was the first year out of COVID. I got seventh and it was quite funny because the commentators, I was in like a breakaway with all the world tour riders. Mm. And then it was me and my little local London club suit. And then so so they're like running through the commentary, like Anna Henderson. And they're like, and um, uh, uh," it took them ages. They're like, Danielle from Team London. (laughs) It's quite funny. Did they call you Um, Strawberry? Yeah, probably. Did they? No, I think it was was Shosby. They they never get it right anyway. Um, so yeah, that, and that kind of got my name out there a bit. Um, and then I did like the women's tour and on stage one was like in a 70 K breakaway on my own and like, Solo. Made it. yeah. In the tour. Yeah. On the t- tour of Britain. Yeah. Wow. Um, oh, in the tour of Britain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, Jeez. not, not tour de France. I yeah, wish. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would get your name out there. I made it to, yeah, <laughs> but I made it to, I think. 30k to go the a motorbike in front of us crashed and had to pause the race so then wow. they had to restart the race with the peloton three minutes behind me and you got a huge and i was break. like dangling meat yeah wow. and then i made it with 10k to go um but that was pretty cool and that was like my first experience of like properly getting out there but it's just again it's hard when you're a small uk team to like there's so many teams now it's hard to get in those bigger races um so we only had like few opportunities to get our name out there because it was like yeah i know we'd have our local races then it'd be like right ride london you've got to shine then because uh-huh. it's, well, it's that's quite a lot hard. of pressure yeah huh. um but then yeah i just started doing the off-road stuff and fell in love with it and yeah. you know how like what the community's like as well around it and yeah certainly yeah. so last year yeah. um what was kind of the percentage breakdown of Grand Prix and gravel races versus some of the road races that you were still doing? Uh, I'd say 
to be honest, up until it was probably 50 50 up until like July. And then to be honest, I was like pretty burnt out. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I was trying to do the full time work. It was like way too much. Um, I cannot imagine. Yeah. And then, and then I had a bit of crap luck, like going into the final races. Like I really wanted to prioritize gravel worlds and things like that. And I like knew that there was only a couple more road races going like still to do. So I tried to turn my focus to that, but then I just had like punches, mechanicals. Like honestly, the last couple of months of my season, I was just like, like big sugar. My bike went missing on the airline, lost it like two days before it was carnage. So I was like riding Dylan's bike, you know, and you know what his stems like and stuff like that. I was like, Oh God. And you're, Um, you're at least his height probably. Right. Yeah, so that was fine, but it was just, but he had his brakes the opposite way. Ah, uh, yeah, because in the Commonwealth yeah. you flip them. Yeah. That's right, I always forget that. <laughs> so I went out and did a recce on Big Sugar and just like... Fully crashed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Um, huh. So, yeah. Interesting. So talk to me a little bit about the job that you were holding down or are holding down. Yeah, so I was, uh, I've worked in footwear for like, seven years with it I like love sneakers nice um, so I was at uh love them <laughs> notice them <laughs> um yeah but then I was actually at Vivo Barefoot who are actually so anti the proper sneakers they're like all about minimalist footwear they're, I mean they are very good and they're all about um you know looking after your back and strength training like in the gym community they're massive for like lifting and things mm. uh so I was a project manager there for like three and a bit years um and yeah I mean sadly I got made redundant but it came at the perfect time <laughs> to be honest because I was like at breaking point I was like I need to get out of it and this year I'm actually able I'm doing like personal training bits on the side but now I've got a pro gravel contract so I can actually focus on my cycling for the first time in my life that's exciting yeah it's really cool. how does that feel yeah amazing I'm still not I'm always used to like juggling a million things. So I wake up and I'm like, whoa, I don't have to ride at 5 a.m. It's like, because that's what I used to do. I used to, in London, get up at five, go ride around Surrey for two and a half, three hours, go straight to the, like Lime, I get, well, we call it Lime Bikes in the UK. Have you yeah. Yeah, 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 we have those. Um, Lime Bike around, live in central London, go to work, get home at 6 p.m., repeat basically. Wow. What was it like? <laughs> I guess up until this year, even in the Grand Prix. But of course, when you were racing some of the ladies that were on the big teams in the world tour, um, what was it like knowing that you were juggling so much more and obviously couldn't yeah. train as much either? It was it was frustrating. I think that was the part of like, because I came into the sport late, they always like, they always say, oh, how old are you? And like, if you're not 18 years old anymore, like they just yeah. don't even look at you, you know? And it, it, it was really frustrating because you'd be training at those times and then still getting results you know the same as what a girl who was doing it full-time and getting paid mm. and it and like it, yeah it was really frustrating and even in the Grand Prix last year like I was obviously I mean I did it so badly looking back now like <laughs> I was like flying into Crusher the week before wondering why I was dying at altitude like <laughs> of course I was like but I but I had no choice because work were like you need to be in the office in these dates so I was just booking flights where I could wow. <laughs> get out there. That's brutal. Yeah. yeah. 
how are you going to change that this year? Are you going to spend more time in the U.S.? Or because yeah, obviously so, you have lots of races over here too. Yeah. Still, I imagine. Well, that's the thing. The European calendar is amazing now as well with the Gravel yep. Earth series. So, looking at, it, I think I'll do the first few U.S. races. I'll be like flying back and forth a bit so that I can do the European ones. But then they're not at altitude, so it's okay. But then as soon as it gets to the altitude ones, like July and August, I'll do a two month block in the States. Is yep. the plan. Nice. Um, are you going to, where are you going to go beforehand? Do you think Boulder? Yeah, Boulder. Yeah, yeah. cool. That's where everyone goes. Isn't <laughs> it is, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Unless you already live, you know, somewhere in Colorado. I've asked Avery if he's got a spare room, I think. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. So cool. that's good. What is your, so we just did the Santa Vai yeah. Earth Seri- first Earth Series race of the year this past weekend, um, which was pretty, a pretty unique format. I actually did the race last year and it was Same. just. Did you? Yeah. What? And it was like a little local race. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. So this is fun. We could talk about this. I remember, I'd love to hear your impression, but I remember last year there was a group of maybe five of us that yeah. were really racing for the win. Yeah. Um, and we were just chatting in between and being very polite and like complimenting each other when we did a descent well and stuff. And then this year, I think I took a glance at the start list for the first time, maybe a week out. And I legitimately kind of started stressing because I was like, insane. I don't know if I want to deal with this in February. Oh my God. But that's what was making me laugh because <laughs> the whole of last week, everyone's Instagram is like, you know, I'm just using this as training. <laughs> it's like, we all are, but we also all want to do well and are always going to like, like compare ourselves, aren't we? So I think I was the same. I was like, it's just February. It's just February. But then you're like, yeah, but everyone's watching you. Everyone's comparing you. Um, yeah. It was stressful. Yeah, it was it really was, stressful. It was wild. Yeah. And so anyway, the, well, go ahead. No, I was going to say last year. So I, uh, I was actually on a, I just finished a stage race near in Valencia and I drove up the night before <laughs> because my friend was like, oh, there's a gravel race. I hired a bike from the service course, which was too small. No way. Yeah. And then I was winning and I snapped my chain with 10K <sighs> to go. <laughs> but uh, then it was just like a fun little local race. Yeah. And then, yeah, this year I was like, wow, amazing. Yeah. I mean... I was adding it up. I think maybe besides Traka and like a couple of the Grand Prix, I don't think I'll do a more competitive race this year no. in terms of the start list. Exactly that. It was yeah. unreal. Yeah, those world, t- uh, world tour riders in the men's and women's rocking up. I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay. Ashley, yeah, Ashley, I was like, okay. Well, yeah. And I was like, oh, great. Hill climb start. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just as I was thinking about it. I think it must be part of the reason for that is everyone's here in February, you know, you're, everyone's still training and it's it's just the perfect time to do a tune-up race, whether you're a world tour rider like Ashley or, or some of the guys we had, um, or, you know, someone doing more of a gravel schedule. But, um, if you had to compare kind of the U S style of racing versus the European style of racing, um, how would you kind of describe each one? I think it's similar to what you were saying on your Instagram the other day. It's like in like some of the races here is like the size of the roads, right? Is the big thing. And I don't know, in the US, you don't, in the gravel scene, you don't randomly get a single track that's literally through trees. And do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. all quite open and yeah. you can exactly that move up. And whereas here, like, I think I was mentally exhausted after this weekend as 100%, well. Because yeah. I was just constantly like, when's an attack going to go? When do I need to move up? Oh God, that single track's coming up. I need to get in front of this person. And yeah, it's just carnage. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And one thing I noticed too, 
is obviously there's teams cropping up yeah. this year. And I don't know if this happened in your race, but on stage three, when we had that um, single track climb yeah, yeah. before the big climb, I, I was totally on the back foot already, just completely overwhelmed by basically fighting for what seemed like a whole shot for an hour and a half. Um, and then all of a sudden there were just lead outs happening. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh my God, people are literally doing lead outs for it's this crazy, isn't climb. It? I know. Um, which we never have in the States, no. obviously. Yeah. And the challenge, I mean, obviously racing in the US is incredibly challenging too. And, and uh, some of the races are even higher level, I think, than, than Santify was. But the way the races play out is so different. And it, yeah. I feel like it's so much more attritional. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and more of just kind of like a vision quest. And uh, yeah, it just has a completely different feel. And I'll be really interested to see how the two continue to develop, you know, whether this European gravel racing kind of continues down the route of slightly shorter races and more intense um, and just how all that will yeah. shake out. It's just interesting how like even from a year ago, how many teams there are, because even last year in Europe, it, everyone was like individuals, right? Yeah. And now you've got like that groove team, the enough team, the pass racing team, like yeah. it's really, and there's so many riders. Classified. <laughs> yeah, classified. Yeah. I rode with two of the classified guys today. <laughs> oh, did you? It's like, wow, this is weird. These guys are wearing matching kits and matching bikes. <laughs> It's really funny. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, cool. So this year, um, are you what what does the schedule look like? How are you balancing things? I assume you're not racing on a pro conti road team anymore. No, okay. I put, put the road to the side. I'll still do like the odd UK road race that yeah. I just like enjoy and it'll be fun. Um, but yeah, so I'm on this pro gravel team called Felt United with yeah. Dylan Johnson and Adam. Yep. Um, which is quite cool. It's yeah. so funny. Like we're all so different, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it works. Um, but yeah, I'll just be concentrating on some of the gravel earth ones and then the lifetime, um, like tracker is a big one for me. I want to do pretty good there. Yeah. The long, uh, well, medium long, yeah. not the longest. No. It's yeah. interesting how they're really just expanding the distance. And it, Cause it's 500, is it 500? The longest? I think it's one? even longer than it's like five, five something. Six, yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't in it last year, was it? No. Yeah, 360, because I've got Badlands at the end of the year. What? You're doing Badlands? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, but, which is, is that 500K? That's 800K. Oh, my <laughs> God, Danny. Okay, so let's talk about how you love long rides. Yeah. Because you did just, for fun, it seems like, yeah. a huge road ride in late December? Yeah, yeah, I did 300, I think it was 300K, but 5,000 meters elevation. But I do not recommend the route. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Honestly, explain. Uh, well, we went into the like, I was like, oh, it goes into the Pyrenees, from Girona into the Pyrenees, it would be amazing. But like, you know, when you're doing these climbs and they're just so aggressive and then the descent is just crap. And you're like, that was not worth that climb. Just like, like on the brakes. Yeah, and, yeah because yeah. it was just like through alpines, but the road would just disappear. So I was mm. on road bike, but we did gravel sections. Then uh, I got a puncher and I was just like, oh no. Oh so it was, it was a fun day and it was good to like test. And like, we were like, we're trying to do this like minimum stop time. So I think we were like 45 minutes stop time. Not bad for, how long was it total time-wise? Uh, 13 hours. Yeah, not bad for a 13 hour ride. Yeah, yeah it is funny. That's been an, an adjustment for me too, is how slow your road rides often are here yeah. because the descent, you're just on the brakes, the yeah. whole descent. It's <laughs> yeah, funny. It's, mad, it's it? really entertaining usually, but yeah. yeah you, you. But I've already like, honestly, since being here, like I've just noticed how much 
better, my descendants being. I was like, because like last year in the Grand Prix, I was always a bit off the back on the descents and stuff. But it's like, I live in London. Obviously, I don't, our descents maximum are probably two minutes long. Like, (laughs) we've got, yeah, Box Hill is a two and a half K climb. And we're like, whoa, that was a good climb. That was a good climb. (laughs) I did box. So I was in London, a little south of London last year for my sister's wedding. She lives over there. And uh, rode Box Hill for the first time, and it was so busy. I was doing, <laughs> I was doing efforts on it. Oh yeah, we at the weekend. I can't. It oh, must have been. Yeah, it must. But have it been. was sketchy, and it was raining, and I was like, Oh this no, is not chaos. A good idea. Yeah, cool climb though. It is quite cool. Yeah, it's a shame because that's where Ride London used to race up, but now the yeah. council, mm. classic UK, they didn't like it, so now <laughs> you're not allowed to race up it. <laughs> that's why the road scene's just dying there. It's is just, it? Yeah. Huh. Uh, it's sad. Like, but our roads are just not made for racing really they're so dangerous oh my god i i appreciate you saying that because <laughs> the amount that i just had because the first two days i was riding there obviously there's no visibility like the hedges are so tall <laughs> yeah. tiny roads and so i just was not pedaling hard because i didn't yeah. have the confidence to ride fast yeah especially coming from the u.s where <laughs> the roads are like four times the size right yeah and so, uh, do you know Elliot? Um, why am I blanking on his last name? VC Let's yeah, Get yeah, It. Yeah, okay. yeah, of course I do. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he hung out with me today at the pharmacy when I was getting my bandages. <laughs> Shout out. Um, so I messaged him. I was like, dude, how do you ride here? Like I'm riding along at 160 <laughs> watts, like getting nothing done. How do you train here? He's like, mate, you just have to trust it. He's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so I just started riding normal pace and you just surrender yeah and like but honestly that's why everyone goes like if they have efforts everyone goes to like richmond park because it's just like safe and you can do 20 minutes without stopping really or whereas i mean once you get into like guildford area it gets better yeah but yeah getting out of london's just carnage there's some really nice climbs though in uh yeah and sorry yeah dorkins leith hill yeah Yeah, exactly leith hill and i'm trying to remember a couple of the others um, it's nice that way. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So talk to me about this new team a little bit. I'm, I'm always curious about, cause as we touched on, um, there's all of these different, and it was actually a big conversation topic on our ride today. There's all these different interpretations of how to put together a professional racing program in gravel now. Yeah. Obviously on the road, it's very cut and dried. Like there's literally rules about how you have to do it. Tons of structure. Um, and then on the gravel side in the States, predominantly it's individuals. There's a few teams, but predominantly it's individuals. And then it seems like over here in Europe, uh, teams are more common, becoming more common. Like the, the Panormal team was huge. I couldn't believe when they rolled up, it was like 15 (laughs) riders or something crazy. Um, but your program seems like kind of a hybrid of the two, yeah, maybe? Like exactly. you have a couple teammates and you share some sponsors, but also is there some individual freedom there? Yeah. So that's why I quite like it, to be honest. Um, I mean, next year it might grow the, the program, but the idea was we're all with the same management. So it's Inspire Management. And mm-hmm. uh, they were like, we'd love to set up a little team. It's a bit like the Santa Cruz team with Keegan. Yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. It's kind of following that format. Um and yeah, so felt are our main sponsor, but then and Rule Twenty Eight for our clothing. But then we have the freedom to have our own nutrition sponsor, uh, wheel sponsor, tire sponsor, um, and yeah, and then the program. Like 
we're, they'll like we'll do all do I think I don't think Adam's doing the lifetime probably but he's doing like mid-south and we coordinate all being there together yep. um and do a few races where we're all there together and then yeah I'll the rest of our programs like up to us really I'm trying to get them to come over here and do some European races Dylan Ward's gonna come over actually but then he got sick oh, okay. um but yeah but it is it's a cool setup and yep. Yeah, Dylan and Adam, they're funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, nice. yeah it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, talk to me about what your impression has been of the U.S. racing scene. Just what it, So actually, this is a, we should bring it up. You were yeah. fourth at Unbound last year. Really yeah. awesome ride. I have to assume as an athlete that was sort of, um, if you had any question marks about whether, you know, you could find success in the Grand Prix, that race, like for sure yeah, had to have sure. been, been a big confidence boost. Um, but it's such a different kind of racing. Um, talk to me about kind of just your thoughts in general. Like, are you, are you excited about how much diversity there is in the different kinds of racing? And are you enjoying the process of learning how to be a, a good mountain bike, bike handler and all that sort yeah. of thing? Is it just that like, it's the biggest show in town right now and you're excited to be a part of it for that reason? Or what, um, what's the, it's weird like? when I looked at the lifetime program, I was like, the Unbound always stuck out, like stood out to me. But I, I was like, I remember saying to my mum, I was like, I think they've got it wrong. I think it's 200K. It can't be 200 miles. Like, <laughs> I hadn't really heard about all the, the long yeah. races. And mum was like, no, it's on the website. It's 200 miles, Danny. Like, do you know what you're getting yourself into? I was like, of course I don't. This is what I do. I just go along with things. Um, and then obviously the first one, Sea Otter, is also a mountain bike race. Have you raced mountain bike before, Danny? No. Perfect. Right. <laughs> so it was a bit like, okay, I'm going to throw myself in the deep end and I'm just going to like learn as I go. I like, I went to Sea Otter and obviously I knew I wasn't going to be out there with Sophia. Like, of course not. Like this is my first mountain bike race. I think I'd been on the mountain bike three times before Sea Otter. Like oh literally, and all the gravel we do in the UK is like flat. So <laughs> not the best practice for descents, but I was just like, I'm just going to see what it's all about. Um, yeah, and I just, I got stuck in at Seattle, right? I mean, I didn't come last. <laughs> I think I was like 23rd or something, but I was just yeah, like, I was like, wow, this is so different. Like, yeah. I need to, I knew that, but I, I said from then, I was like, I'm using this year as learning. And then this year, like, I want to do it all like proper. But at the same time, when I was looking at Unbound, I was like, if there's one race out of this series, I know that I can show myself. I think it's Unbound. Mm -hmm. So I, I like studied the course quite a bit. And I knew that I have got from the rowing days, I've got an engine. And I know that, you know, that well, that race is like when it, it goes on and on. And that's when people can just suddenly blow up. And that's where it's all a mental game versus, you know, how strong you are. Um, and obviously Unbound with the mud, like 10 miles in, I was like, this isn't really going to plan, <laughs> but I was like, just keep going. I was like, you know, it's how long is that race? I don't know, 13 hours or yeah. I can't remember what it was, but I was just like, this is 10 miles in. We've got so long to make up and everyone will be feeling exactly the same. So I just kept pushing through and yeah, I got the result that I wanted, but it was weird. Like I visualized getting a good result there mm. and I'm not normally into that. But then after that, I was like, wow, maybe I should do this <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, what is that? I don't know if this is too prying a question, but I think people would be really curious to hear. What is that process like of visualizing? Uh, it's just like a state of mind. And 
I think I was, I felt so, I, I felt so out of it from the lifetime. Everyone knew each other. I was the mm. UK rider. I was very much on my own, but I'm a very sociable person. But like, you, you know, what it can be like sometimes people don't want to talk to you if they don't know you. They're just like, oh yeah, who's this girl? Mm -hmm. Oh, bless her. She got around Sea Otter. <laughs> and I knew that like everyone probably thought that, but I was like, no, I, I need to show people I, I am a good racer. I can race hard. And I, I kind of just like, I knew my form was good because of how I was doing on the road going into Unbound. Um, so I just properly applied myself and yeah, just, you know, just focused on all the, po like the positives and yeah, I knew I was in good form and just, you know, go and do me really. Yeah. Um, and I did and it, and it was great actually. I, I ended up with Sarah for a big chunk of the ride and she's just, I remember during the race, she was like, what's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> and like, Obviously, she's a phenomenal mountain bike rider and we still joke about it now, but like she's got no craft when it comes to wind and stuff like that. And obviously Unbound, the weather was so crap and she sat right behind me and there's a massive crosswind. And she's like, <laughs> I'm swinging. I'm like, well, yeah, sit next to me. And then she freaking beat me up the last hill. I was like, why did I tell her that? <laughs> um, Classic gravel. Yeah. That's but, hilarious. But yeah, it was, it was a good race. And yeah, when I crossed that line, I was like, it's only actually since the lifetimes come out and I've watched it, I've like reflected on it a lot more. Mm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a special day. I mean, it's miserable, but special at the same time. Yeah. You have a famous bucket hat now. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> God, classic Brit. <laughs> it's interesting to me that your mindset was a positive one when you hit that mud section, because I know for so many riders, whether it's that mud section or any other race that kind of goes sideways early on you know there are a lot of successful riders who go to a kind of negative mindset pretty quickly yeah. it seems like yeah and i think some people had great reason for it that day ripping off a derailleur yeah, of or whatever but yeah. is that typically how you race like when things aren't going well you're able to kind of keep your head in the game and stay positive yeah for sure um and like even if i know it's not my race day I still try to not give up like crusher. I had a shocker. Like my seat posts started slipping. I like on the first climb, you know what it's like if you're off, if you're having to stop on that first climb, your race is pretty done. Um, I was suffering at altitude and I just like, I was like, I could, I'm literally 10 K from the start. I could turn around, but oh, wow, yeah. I was like, just keep going, keep catch who you can do what you can. And yeah, it's all, it's always been, I think I think I get it a bit from my dad. He was always like that. He was a professional athlete and he was always strong when it when it got really tough and testing and I I always just tried to think what he would do in those mm. situations and kind of apply it myself. Interesting. What kind of athlete was he? Um so he he did triathlon and then he was actually biathlon predominantly so the skiing shooting. Yeah. Cross country mm -hmm. skiing. Which, yeah. That's a crazy sport. I remember hearing about how I think this is how it generally speaking works when when it's time to shoot and your heart rate is through yeah. the roof, you have to you have to time your shot to be between heartbeats and yeah, between breaths so that yeah. you're not moving. That's yeah, it's I, a wild combination. I haven't tried. No, I no, it's like I've tried cross country skiing. I can do the ski mountaineering, but no, I haven't got his finesse of the cross country skiing. Yeah. Um, didn't give that sport a try. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, so going into this year, now that you have t more time on your hands. Mm -hmm. um, what are you going to do with that time? Do you have any, <laughs> cause it's, it's interesting. I mean, one 
very well known and, and discussed aspect of this whole gravel scene now is how athletes who have more professional opportunities often have some sort of like side project or, yeah. or passion outside of the racing that they dedicate time to. Um, that can, whether it's content creation or something else that's marketable. Yeah. Um, does that sort of, does that part interest you? Do you have side interests or are you so excited just to see how good an athlete you can be? You're just trying yeah. to keep it simple. Um, so I'm going to be doing some personal training stuff on the side. Um, that's more to like learn about my body a bit better as well. And all the, you know, pre injury prevention and things like that. Um, now that I actually have the time to do gym stuff, I'm yep. going to be doing that better. Um, nutrition, but yeah, I've, I mean, I do my YouTube stuff a little bit. Um, you have some YouTube. Yeah. I Tell started me. actually at Unbound last year and it, it did well. And then the end of the season, like, because of my schedule, I just, I was like editing videos at midnight and I was oh. like, I can't keep this up. Yeah, yeah. So then I've actually just kickstarted again. So I'll try and do a bit more of that. Is it like um, vlog style? Or? Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Bucket hat. <laughs> Bucket hat, central. yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't analyze what's like Dylan. Mine's more just like generic yeah. bit about the racing. Try to have a bit of fun with it. But I mean, it's funny having Dylan and Adam as teammates because like, I learned so much from them. Like, it's great. Like Dylan just sends me full like testing of his bike last year versus our new bike. Nice. And, like, yeah. So I'm like, oh, perfect. I don't need to do, <laughs> do yeah. that. He's comparing it. He's telling me what to do with it. He's all in on the big tires, huh? Oh, oh yeah. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I think it's good, but it's weird. My So I've got Hunt Wheels and the, the rim, it comes up quite big. So like I had 40s on this weekend, but it like runs like a 45. Okay. So I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, maybe I'll. I've got a, a race on the beach in a few weeks. You're doing a beach race? Yeah. In the Netherlands? Uh, no, it's it's in the UK. It's called Battle. Oh. No, it's in Wales. Yeah, uh, Battle on the Beach. It's quite oh. fun. It's like interesting. But there's this constant debate of whether you ride a gravel bike or a mountain bike because it's like on the beach for a section, and then you go into mountain bike woods. Um, but I'll probably put fat tires on my gravel bike for that. Yeah. See how that goes. Cool. Yeah, because some of the guys I was riding with today, Jasper, Okalun, and Ivar, they're. Yeah. Um, they're probably as well known for their beach racing as it's their so gravel cool in exploits. the Netherlands, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's like crazy. a national sport. It's yeah. crazy. Um, and I guess they run sixty mil slicks, so they're like super wide. Yeah, it's great. Honestly, some of the setups at this race is jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's so a lot yeah, to learn there cool. too. Maybe we should describe the gravel riding here. Yeah, that that'd be good. My takeaway is that I'm definitely going to run wider tires. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's slippy, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just bumpy and it's some of everything, you know, yeah. you get almost um, like mid-south style rolling open farmland roads, pretty wide, almost like um, American width roads. Um, and then you get some really random like tiny goat path trail yeah. just to connect different stuff. But a lot of it is just almost like in the States, we'd call it kind of Jeep road where it's really rocky, bumpy, double track, yeah. super twisty, often really steep. Um, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying the gravel riding and racing here because it just requires you to be so well-rounded and it has some of everything. And yeah, one thing about sure. the, the gravel racing in the U.S. often is that it's um, in an area where the 
the gravel roads are a very important part of the infrastructure of the, you know, whatever, like Unbound, for example. Yeah. Um, so all the roads are often pretty similar. All the, like the terrain that you ride is often pretty similar, but yeah. I found here in Girona, you're just from one K to it's the next. Everything. Isn't it's it? everything. It, every, I think every gravel ride can be quite stressful because <laughs> you, yeah. you don't know what you're getting into. But at the same time, I think that's the best way you're going to up your skill. And I think that's why being here is so good for all that. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to see what Mid-South's like because I've never I've been there. It's fun. To me, Mid-South is what... Um, it's the it's the biggest, most prestigious race that is held on to like real true gravel racing roots. Oh really? Like it's so community forward. Oh. Um I I think that there are probably more people at the finish line to see the last rider come across. Really? As compared That's to the so first weird. rider. Um and it's just it's a party, but it's not like a forced, annoying party the whole time where it feels gimmicky, you know? Because yeah. there are events like that where oh, sure. they're like, we're partying and we're gravel and like yeah. everyone's going to have a good time. But it's very like often I feel uh, industry forward, the, yeah. the partying component. And Mid-South is not that way at all. Like oh, you could, you know, somewhere down the line when I'm not racing anymore, I could see going to Mid-South just to be there for the event really? and not even do the ride. The spirit of gar- gravel. Is Very much so, yeah. I think so. I think it is really that. <laughs> Love it. So. Unlike um, Beaver, that town, Crusher. That one <laughs> is very athletic forward, I would say. Oh, my God. When I rocked up there, I was like, I've flown all this way for this town. Like, I have to shop at the petrol garage station pretty much to cook my dinner. <laughs> you know what's funny is so much of the Western US is that. And yeah, that, coming to Europe more often now, that's one thing that I've... Developed, developed an appreciation for is how much of the United States is just wide open and empty. Yeah. And you just easy. don't get that in Europe. Like there's no, little towns everywhere. No, it's, it's but, cool though. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to say, Nico? I feel like you had an idea. Uh, I feel like everyone's got fun, fun, weird hobbies. Like weird what, what hobbies. Do you like to do? It doesn't have to be weird. Just like, what do you? I love surfing. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. yeah. My brother's, my brother's a massive surfer. So I haven't been in a while, but when I can, I love, I used to go to Bali quite a lot surfing. So Where's that? Oh, Bali. Bali. I thought yeah. you, okay. I thought you said barley. I was like, that sounds like a nice British <laughs> seaside village. Oh, the, the British surf is a bit like the roads. It's quite aggressive. <laughs> um, but yeah, I go to, yeah. I mean, like my family live by the coast, but we used to go to Cornwall quite a lot as yeah. kids surfing. So it's a nice thing to do, like to relax, take your mind away from everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Surfing's a big hobby. Nice. Um, what kind of surfing do you do? Are you on a shortboard or a longboard? Yeah, I like shortboard. Yeah, yeah. so you shred. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's quite cool. Yeah. I've heard uh, there's good surfing down here, actually. Jack. Oh, really? Jack Thompson, who we did uh, a podcast with here about a month ago. He's the the ultra Jack Ultra Cyclist. Are you familiar with oh, him? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a yeah, guy yeah, that yeah, definitely. Everested every week. <laughs> yeah. In, oh my crazy. God, some of the shit he's unreal. <laughs> Uh, but he's a big surfer. Oh, cool. And he said he goes down to, um, like, if you do a coast loop down yeah. towards uh, Plata de Oro. Oh, yeah, yeah. Aro, whatever it's called. Um, there's some oh, actually nice. little breaks there. That's cool. Apparently. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I've been, well, I've been trying to get into my running a little bit just once a week. And I was going to go to one of those overlands here, mm. running things, but... Apparently they just go full gas. So I'm, I'm like, I thought it'd be like a little run club 
gentle, but everyone's like, everyone they've gone to has been... So I need to find their gentle one and then I might get into that over here. It's got to exist somewhere. That is one (laughs) thing I've noticed. I feel like, not to beat a dead horse, I'm creating a lot of parallels or comparisons here between the United States athletically (laughs) and and over here. But one thing I have noticed, and I I noticed this about Santa Valle also, is it's quite an elite crowd. Yeah, for sure. Basically, everyone that lines up is trying to excel or push oh, themselves sure. or really do it well yeah and between the events whatever events they decide to do presumably they're like really researching how to go faster um it's very performance oriented yeah for sure and in the states it feels like a bit more relaxed <laughs> yeah and it's much more of i'm gonna do one two maybe three of these a year and i don't care how long it takes and i'm gonna stop at the aid stations and if they have beer i'm definitely gonna have a beer <laughs> Uh, and that's like eighty <laughs> percent of the field, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I yeah. I don't I don't know why I thought of that, but I just think that's interesting too. Because yeah. at Santa Valle, it felt like even the non pros were quite focused. Oh God, yeah, 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 proper serious. That's interesting. Yeah, that's cool. So, what ones are you gonna focus for this year, the lifetime series? Um, well, I'll do I'll do all seven. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two years, I've needed to do all seven because <laughs> I just. <laughs> have had shit go sideways um in terms of the ones i'm focusing on though um i would say probably unbound um and then it's weird though like it's the north course right yeah 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 it's definitely rougher um and climbier it'll be be longer i mean climbier air quotes i think there's one there's a proper like probably five minute climb but it's super rocky really yeah Anyway, yeah, I don't know about, because my coach really, uh, you know, coaxes me to pick a priority races, you know, that we yeah, really yeah. build towards. Um, but I don't know why, but I, I just kind of, I don't mind um, just trying to be good all year. Yeah, and I know what you mean. There's so many variables that I feel like even if you do everything right, there's such a significant chance that something is going to go wrong that's out of your oh, control sure. during the race. Yeah. It's a little rough to like circle two races in the yeah. whole year and just put everything into well, yeah, that. Yeah, and like Unbound, like it's like everyone talks about how many punches you can get right. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. And also just the style of bad luck. I think the best Unbound I've had, I had two punctures at. And really? you just sort of like it's so unpredictable. You don't know what kind of puncture you're going to have. You don't. <laughs> Honestly, the, the night before that race, the amount of tire chat. Uh-huh. I just went off social media. I was like, I had Dylan telling me, I swapped my tires. He was like, they're so slow. I was like, I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's very opinionated yeah. about the tires, isn't yeah. he? I've stopped asking him. <laughs> That's funny. Do you have a tire sponsor? Yeah, I'm with Kenda this year. Cool. Yeah. She's cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, How about you? Do you have any that you're most excited about? Um, do you know what? Like, I think Tracker is going to be... A cool one, especially now I've done it. I kind of know. Oh, there's a hike section. Really? Yeah. How long? Uh, it's only 700 meters, but it's like a joke. It's like this. And like Gerard, the course organizer, when I said I was doing it, he was like, send me a video when you get to that section. I was like, I had these bulls that were trying to kill me whilst I was going up this 700 meter, like hiker bike, like so rocky. Oh no. And everyone's like, could you not ride that? I was like, Right, when you get to that point, you let me know. Uh, <laughs> like, you can't write it. Crazy. Um, Gerard is doing, so Gerard put on um, 
Centavai and his company is Classmark. Yeah. Uh, and they put on Traka. And it is really special what he's doing here. Like they're definitely leaning into, I, I think, I don't want to rub anyone the wrong way, but I think it's probably easy for a lot of the gravel racing in Europe to kind of become an extension of road racing. Yeah. Because the road culture here is so historied and it's been around forever. Yeah. Um, but he he just is doing whatever he wants. And yeah. it's really cool. Like yeah. the, the courses are wild. They're amazing, aren't they? Yeah. And I think what's cool about Jared is he learns from mistakes. Like he straight away came up and was like, that hill climb will do it. Like, cause I know every, obviously it was a mass start and he was like, next year we'll change it. Really? And then he said oh. about, cause you know, um, us ladies went off first on the second day yeah. and you guys obviously caught us like right near the end of the time segment. So it was just yeah. chaos. And he yeah. was like, yeah, we won't do that. <laughs> I was like, I probably could have told you that before, but, but <laughs> yeah. at least you know for next year. Um, yeah. Cause it was so nice on Sunday to actually just have our own race. Yeah. Um, and I think the U S actually are learning about that. Cause you know what it's like in the, it was Trinidad when it was a mass start. That was it. so brutal. That was awful. Wasn't yeah, it? That was sketch. Like onto a, halfway as well like right at the start yeah that was that was an obvious one where the race hadn't happened at that level before yeah. and there were just some kinks that needed to get worked out yeah but same sort of thing like they are really receptive and it's yeah totally exactly. different next year 700 meter run up Yikes. yeah so will you train specifically for that at all for the like, run big yeah no, i think i'll just get up it when i get to it yeah. i think like obviously doing some gym bits will help with that section and um but at that point i think that's what was that? That was like nearly, yeah, 180k in. Um, so I think that'll be the mental part coming in then. Because yeah. it's funny, the, the start of the 360 is like quite nice. Like the first 100k, you're like, this is quite nice. And then there is like 70k of hell. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then after that, it's good again. So that's what, yeah, anyone listening, just get through that 70k of hell and you're all good. So why do you think you're, because you're doing Traka 360, Obviously, yeah. Unbound 200. Uh, what is 360K? Is that like 220 uh, miles? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 210, yeah. Two, yeah so like longer that. than Unbound, but way gnarlier course. Yeah. Like and hillier. Way slower. <laughs> um, and then you're doing Badlands, yeah. which is huge. So like, what is this attraction to these I ultra ultras? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I think it is because it's that thing like, I just seem to be able to keep going in these races. Like that was the thing at the weekend. I noticed I was getting stronger. Like I think that's when I come into my own and that's yeah, where I like pull through when it when it gets hard, when it's long. Um, when people start to crack, I yeah. I probably do crack inside, but I manage to keep going and just tell myself, yeah, to get through it. So have you done anything as long as Badlands before? No. No, I probably won't until then either. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, that that will be tough because obviously it's the back end of the season. So I probably need to be a bit mindful going into that, how much I'm doing before. Yep. Um, we have our national gravels like the week after, but our national gravel in the UK is like basically a gravel crit circuit. It's quite funny. It's oh, wow. like, yeah, it's very flat. So huh. I'm just hoping I'll be able to just... Stick in the bunch. <laughs> yeah. Will you do um, Worlds in Belgium? If I qualify, yeah, I hope yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, that sounds... That'll be good. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, it'll probably be carnage, but it'll yeah. be, it's not very, yeah, wide roads there. 
Belgian yeah. racing, on, even on the road, it's just savage. Have you done any? No, but uh, Petter Vakoc was, because yeah. I, it's funny, the, a bunch of the competitors kind of going back to gravel vibes, even though things are getting more competitive, the, the guys I was racing with this weekend definitely felt for me that I felt so out of my depth at the <laughs> oh, beginning really? of stage three. And everyone's been giving me advice, oh. like in a very <laughs> nice way. And I'm very grateful for all of it. Yeah. But Petter was describing the what it's like to actually be in the classics because you just you watch on TV and you have no idea what, oh, it, no, what it's, it's actually like. It's, um, it's the road furniture in Belgium. That's what I, he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had such a bad crash last year. Really? But it was quite. When was it? It was about a year ago. Yeah. Was it just? It was just after um, Seattle, actually. Uh, like, like you literally the peloton would just like narrow, and a girl like. Got was up on the curb, then jumped down and just took my wheel out. I went straight in a gutter, like face parted the curb. Um, really, you yeah, did? Yeah, like what? a black eye, like all my skin on my arm gone. Oh, it was awful. Um, yeah, Belgian racing. Yeah, it's interesting because everyone, what you hear about in the media and what oftentimes people talk about on social media is just like the cobbles are hard to ride, and if it's wet, they're slippery and sketchy yeah. and yeah, the positioning is important um, and the races are long and the level is so high, everyone's so fit and the star riders, you know, they're so explosive and wow, look how they can yeah. sprint. But no one talks about what it actually is like in the bunch or how to position yourself yeah. into the bottom of one of those decisive sections. Oh God, yeah, it's so important. It's yeah. unreal, it yeah. sounds like. I mean, obviously I've never done it, but one one thing that I'd never heard of that Petter mentioned is that a lot of the roads there in Belgium are like cement slabs. Yeah. And, and so the, you have this huge channel in the middle that the gutter, doesn't really yeah. show up on TV, but it will just gobble up tires. Oh, it's like it's awful. the perfect width yeah. to take a tire. And so if you're in the middle of the bunch, you're constantly like having to keep your eye on this, like it's hop awful. back and, you have and to forth. Hop it. Yeah. What? It's horrible. That is insane. <laughs> it's so insane. <laughs> what the hell? Ever, and honestly, like, some people there, they're like, I love Belgian racing. You go there, it's so bleak, it's so flat. Yeah. And you are just racing around like housing estates, really, <laughs> like to be honest. And then there'll be a random cobble section. And like, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like, it's, I mean, it's amazing training and it, some of the races are incredible, but yeah, it, it's brutal. <laughs> yeah. One other thing he mentioned yesterday, just about the carnage that you don't see is racing through tunnels. Yeah. And how you never know if they're going to be, this is not necessarily in Belgium, but just in general, racing through tunnels and not knowing for sure that they're going to be lit oh, in, gotcha. inside. And how wild it is to be in a huge peloton just hauling ass through a oh tunnel God, and the, just yeah. the lights go out. But you know, there's a trick. You're meant to close one eye. That's exactly he what he said. <laughs> yeah. You close one yeah. eye. So then so when you come out the other side, you can so see. <laughs> yeah, so that one is a just, and I was like, but Does also, anyone realize how insane it is <laughs> one to eye be in a peloton, like. in a peloton <laughs> going 50k an hour and to survive, you have to close one eye? It's crazy, isn't it? What? It does work, though. Yeah. Um, Unreal. So, yeah, training, just go along with one eye. Practice. <laughs> Gee. Yeah. No, you'll be bummed for not asking, but um, I think you had said something about last year you were going to do a podcast, but you were announcing for the tour oh yeah oh yeah 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 because we've been yeah we did we were doing that thing last year where we were trying to get all the women of the grand prix on the podcast and we didn't quite pull it off but obviously you were the one one of the folks i was trying to coordinate with 
and you weren't available because you were going to the women's tour yeah. to do some sort of, you weren't racing, but you were I was working. I doing a podcast, some, yeah. So, you were hosting. Yeah, well, I was like co-hosting uh, with Rebecca Charlton, yeah, for Vox Women. No way. Um, yeah, it was quite a last minute thing, actually. Um, and it was incredible. It was so good. And obviously, I don't know how much of the racing you saw, but the, it was... Everything, yeah. yeah. it was incredible. Like, every day that, like... Because obviously it was the first year, it was so special, and the like no one really knew what each day was. Like everyone kept saying, "Oh, it's a sprint day today," and then like drama would happen. Um, so yeah, I was like interviewing riders at the end. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah, we, what was it nine days around France? I'd like train in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> it was quite nice actually. I had like it was like a training camp slash work at the same time. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> Yes. That's really cool. Do you think you'd like to, will you do that again this year? Do you want to yeah, do Yeah, hopefully. Although it's later on in August, so it depends on my race schedule. But yeah, I think for sure, I think me and Rebecca will do it together again if we can. It's That's really cool. cool. And then the, it sounds like the race is expanding kind of in difficulty to an extent this year too. Have you had any insight about that? Like, it just sounds like they're doing even more legit mountain stages. I mean, obviously they finished on the Tourmalet last year, which is pretty legit yeah. but it sounds like the the true mountain stages are going to be really yeah. grippy yeah I think which is mad because last year was so grippy as well yeah. um I think there was only I think it was actually only two stages that was actually a true sprint finish last year like yeah. breakaways state like the people thought would come back never came back because of the hills at the end yeah. um but then also looking at the riders like Kopecky, like in the UAE tour, she just won a oh, mountain Jabelle stage. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. And so you're like the riders that, you know, they would say before she was in the sprint stages or, you know, the, the stages that didn't weren't so climbing. She's now winning mountain stages. Like yeah. she's just phenomenal. So I think that mixes up everything. Like if you can ride aggressive, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you know, on the, on the mountain days, the mountain girls are going to win it yeah. now. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, she can contend for the... And I know there's been some um, speculation about whether she would stick with SD Works because yeah. of oh, Demi was, being there, yeah. but she, I just saw she just resigned through 28. Yeah, because then they were talking about Demi leaving, right? I when? Think, when did you I, hear that? Uh, who was it? I think... I can't remember what team, but apparently a team offered her a million. Yeah, UAE did. Yeah, was it UAE? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but that was what was so interesting working last year, like there was so much drama in the SD work team. Like yeah. even um, Van der Breggen, we spoke to her and at the start, it all seemed like they were working well together. And we like asked her about it and she was like, oh no, like behind closed doors, it's chaos in that Wow, yeah. interesting. Yeah. So and like you can see that like they're all so strong. Yeah. Um, so obviously like when Kopecky was in yellow, yeah. like I actually asked her, I was like, was there a part of you that wanted to stay the whole way? And she was like, no, of course we're all in for Demi, but yeah, you know. I don't know. And then that Strada Bianchi finish line situation. Oh wow, was that was something else, wasn't it? That was so mad. Yeah, for those those that didn't catch it, basically Demi Vollering and Lada uh, sprinted. Yeah, but it didn't seem like they both expected to be no. sprinting. And I think, I think it was Demi kind of got her on the end, right? Yeah, and also had some interesting language. Oh God! Right at the yeah. finish. But then they, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because on social media, they're all best friends. So yeah, yeah. Maybe they are. I think, I mean, it's... <laughs> it's just I, racing, right? <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure 
there's so much going on, obviously, that we have no clue about. But uh, from a fan standpoint, it's it's got to be good for the sport. Yeah, that sort of drama. And I know that it created a lot of more a lot more conversation. It seemed like um, last year, and it'll be really interesting to see how that develops. You know, because it's really hard to imagine that SD Works wouldn't just totally lock down Demi because yeah, she's know. so dominant in the yeah. stage races. Yeah. But if UAE comes in with UAE money, yeah. then I don't know. That would be really would, interesting. I think it would be quite cool to see them on opposite teams. It would. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. It's They're playing on easy mode most of the races yeah, right yeah. now with the depth of that team. It's crazy. Yeah. It is cool, though, um, to see who was the FDJ girl that stole this last stage oh, of UAE. Um, was it Anna? Is that how you say it? Um, I can't remember. I, can't remember. I think her last name started with an S. Um, anyway. I can't remember. Yeah, she went solo from crazy fire. Yeah. And they did, yeah, that was cool. There's so much good road racing now, just as a fan of the sport. Yeah, it's very cool. The fact that we have basically not double the races, but growing, you know, every year women cycling oh, from amazing. an outsider's perspective just yeah. seems to be exploding but more But even more. like in, so the road racing scene, but gravel as well, like, yeah. like, and it's, do you know what's nice in gravel is we race the same distance as the men most of the time. Yep. Whereas, you know, it's like, yeah, we can do these distances as well. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's something it's, like Unbound. The women are finishing very high up in the overall. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. um, good to see. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> Anything else? Do you know, actually, one, one last thing. Yeah. I found Halloumi in Girona. I've been looking for it for like three months. Halloumi? <laughs> Is that the, it's like... The grilled cheese. Yeah, the fried <laughs> yeah. cheese. I was going insane because I'm vegetarian, so I don't eat ah. meat. So I like, some of my nights, like dinners, I love having halloumi. Yeah. And I was going insane. I was going to every supermarket. Why haven't they got halloumi? Then I found this little organic store and they've got it. So now I'm made up. Drona stole my heart. <laughs> yeah, the store situation here is so funny how they're, even the, the well, I guess like there's like little up, uh, towards like salt which is a pretty big grocery mm. store but the ones kind of downtown here they're all kind of little hole in the wall yeah. shops and there's yeah. one you know every block and they all kind of specialize in different things yeah. like i don't know coley mint has everything at a budget yeah. sort of price but then there's the uh the organic one yeah, over I by the Mr. organic <laughs> do you yeah. over by the stone bridge yeah and it's definitely pretty pricey, but man, yeah, it's, it's like it's a miniature everything. Whole Foods. It's, it's awesome. so good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, you definitely start to figure it out, but man, it's a different way of life over here. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> cool. All right, Danny. Well, thank you. No, that was thanks fun. Thanks for having me. That's um, great. So you have a YouTube channel. Is it just Danny Strawberry? Yeah, Danny Shrewsbury. <laughs> that's the one. Do you know my, my new race kit that's coming? It's got a little strawberry jumping out of my back pocket. Nice. That's adorable. <laughs> that's very cool. Love it. And um, then on IG, your full name? Danny underscore Shrewsbury. Yeah. Cool. With a strawberry emoji. Yeah. That's the one. Anything else? Any other things to shout out? Um, no. Thanks for having me along. Of course, it was fun. I'm, I'm glad we got to finally do this. Yeah, and now you're going to take me mountain biking. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to do Dreading great. that. You're going to do great. You have a full full sus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. What's good uh, is that it's going to rain tomorrow. And oh, so that's good. And so for probably a week after, we'll have hero dirt. Okay. Because right now, it's just...
it's like uh, six inches of just powder. Yeah. And it's super sketchy. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Cool. cool. Thanks, Danny. Thanks. Hello again, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Danny Shrewsbury. I forgot to mention at the top of the show, uh, as I'm recording this intro and outro, I'm pretty uncomfortable. Uh, when I was uh, pre-riding that Traka 200 course, I took a, a very hard crash, um, just completely overcooked a corner that was on this very slippery kind of backcountry road um, and nailed a tree at, the Garmin says, slightly under 30 miles an hour. Um, beat up my hand, definitely holding this mic with one hand and not the other. Got some good uh, road rash on the hip and banged up shoulder. But I think the little bit of extra gym work I've been doing this winter is going to go a long way to, uh, you know, staying durable in scenarios like that. Because unfortunately, that's just part of the game when you're trying to go fast, especially when you're uh, chasing some of the locals on their local back roads. Things can happen. So all of y'all out there who are enjoying riding gravel, maybe have some gravel racing goals this year, I would strongly urge you to... Of course, uh, do your best to ride within your limits, but also, since we're all trying to have fun, uh, things do happen, and doing a little bit of gym work, a little bit of extra strength training, core work, that can be the difference between picking up an injury and, and jumping back up and dusting yourself off and being able to keep riding. So anyway, just something I thought I'd share based on personal experience a couple of days ago, even you know, 15 years into doing this, I need those reminders now and then. And I was reminded recently how good it is to be an overall, you know, strong athlete and stay engaged, uh, with a little bit of work off the bike as well as on. Anyway, thank you so much for listening today. Thank you to Lily McKelvin for editing and producing the show each and every week. Thank you to Nicole Baker for running and recording the video aspect of this, helping with scheduling, helping me make decisions every day about how to make this project better. Um, as always, you can go to my uh, YouTube, which is just Payson McKelvin, to watch this episode. You can go to our Instagram, The Adventure Stash, to play our Friday quizzes and watch reels uh, of today's episode, as well as check out some photos. Um, that's all we got. We'll catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>